The mental health of high achievers is one of the most overlooked topics among high achievers. We work hard and strive for ambitious goals, but rarely take the time to breathe and could end up trapped in a world of our own making. This is the 5am miracle, episode number 414, Design a Life You Don't Need to Escape From, with Chris Wilson. Good morning, I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My guest today is a bipolar creative with a knack for personal development. He geeks out on productivity and minimalism while running Simplify Your Why, where he shares lessons learned on overcoming his battles with depression, type 2 bipolar, and entrepreneurship. He believes that mental health is not a liability, but a superpower that transforms us when we use our personal stories of struggle to inspire and share solutions for a better life with others. And now here is my interview with Chris Wilson. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. I want to kick things off today with a little bit of a discussion around the work that you do at Simplify Your Why. Uh, I think that's a really interesting perspective on kind of understanding like what we're all doing here and, and knowing our, our why behind the work that we do. So what does it mean for you to, uh, to make your why more simple? And how do you define what it means to, to have a why to begin with? I think for me, a lot of it comes back to, I kind of, I kind of joke about this quite a bit where like, if I had been in kind of like a rock band in my mid twenties, you probably could have called it like the destruction tour. (laughs) I didn't have a lot of like clarity or sense of where I was in my life. And to be honest, I was in a job I didn't like. I was in relationships where quite honestly, the people deserve better. And I didn't really know who I was as a person. And a lot of that came back to uh, just later on, I found out that like an undiagnosed kind of uh, bipolar and uh, like chronic depression and realizing that for much of my life, a lot of kind of like my dissatisfaction and feeling lost and overwhelmed had to do with the fact that like there were some underlying issues that weren't being addressed. And really the reason Simplifier Why came about was kind of like as any great business was like a scratch your own itch type thing. And I tried to kind of like create this kind of life of purpose that gave me direction that allowed me to kind of like turn a lot of these struggles that I was going through into more of kind of like an adventure, like a choose your own kind of story or choose your own adventure to kind of start discovering who you are, why you're here, and really like what you want to be able to accomplish with your life. So how do you go about defining or answering those questions? I know that for me, um, I went through a phase when I graduated college, a phase that I called graduated and clueless because that was how <laughs> yeah. I felt for years. I would say I still feel that way sometimes and many years later. And I feel like there was a time in my life I know where all I had were questions and I didn't really have answers. And you know, I, I don't think that I've actually experienced um, necessarily being bipolar, but I've, I've have a history of panic attacks and anxiety. So I know what it's also like to kind of kind of fall off the deep end to a certain degree of saying, like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life and these things that I'm trying aren't working. How do you go about answering some of those more difficult questions to define like what we're doing here? Sometimes we can get really stuck on the question part and thinking about like, how do I find this answer? 
And I realized like for me, a lot of it came down to like more so the experiential side of things of asking some of those questions, but then trying things out. So like for me, realizing that in order for me to answer some of these questions, like who do you want to become? What do you want to do with your life? What's the purpose of this? Came down to kind of like instilling kind of like a daily writing habit for me. I just got in the habit of writing daily and blogging about it and putting out a newsletter and starting to kind of understand kind of like almost like the idea that like success leaves breadcrumbs. And I've become kind of somebody who just gets engrossed in reading where I just kind of go from one book to the next book based on kind of recommendations. And I I would say like there's certain authors that have helped me kind of discover those things too. Like one that sticks out to me is like Cal Newport. His book about like be so good they can't ignore you really helped me answer some of those difficult questions because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. But going through that process and realizing, ah, like there's certain things that I really like from as kind of like iteration sense, I like to work on. So like writing for me, that opened up a whole lot of doors that got me into coaching, uh, life coaching, and being able to work with organizations or high performers or high achievers in ways that kind of falls back to my mental health side of things, where it's like the idea of like turning your mess into your message, right? Where it's like areas that I've gotten stuck now become areas that I can teach about that I can learn about, that I can better understand myself about in ways that I can now share with other people. And I find it's really fun that way, rather than kind of like the pressure that we can sometimes put on ourselves of like, just sitting there and going, what do I wanna do with my life? And I find like often you don't really know what you wanna do with your life until you kind of just start walking down that path and seeing things that come up in front of you. And like me working with high performers, really just came about from starting to walk down a path where I got into coaching and then I was working with high school youth because it really kind of hit home for me because I dropped out of high school in grade 11. And I eventually went back, but I recognized a lot of like my struggles came from not necessarily having mentorship in my life, like people to kind of ask me some of those questions because for me, learning, learning was very difficult in high school because I didn't necessarily fit into that mold or like that specific way of learning. But then once I got out of school and I was exposed to kind of podcasts, like audiobooks, other courses, like different methods or methodologies of like learning, all of a sudden I could really kind of like excel. And that's what kind of allowed me to dig into kind of like this why of like, it's a continual journey. Like I would say that I haven't necessarily totally identified yes, this is the one sole purpose of my life. Beyond, I think, really being able to be vulnerable and talk about my mental health and what I've been able to overcome in a way that says, hey, this is possible, but it is something that we need to work on and kind of, it's it's something that we do every single day. There's no no mountain that we climb and there's, we just plant our flag. It's really just about what we do each day and showing up the best that we can. Yeah, I love that perspective. And I think that what you mentioned in terms of your daily writing habits, blogging, uh, Cal Newport's book, all of these things, that's my story as well. Like I did a, had a very similar path and found that I know that taking action, uh, writing, reading, 
uh, engaging in these questions, that is what led to answers for me. And that's what has helped me to become you know, less clueless over time is just that active engagement in my own life. Um, I want to go back to the perspective of working with high achievers and the mental health angle, because that's one I want to really hit on with this episode, specifically from the perspective that high achievers are definitely people like me, highly caffeinated type A people that have you know <laughs> yeah. lots of big goals. They want to do big things, but I think in the pursuit of that, there are definitely there are blind spots, right? Areas that we ignore, areas that we don't pay enough attention to, and mental health is probably top of that list because we end up with high stress environments and panic attacks, and then kind of ask that question: Well, what happened to me here? And so, when you're working with high performers, like what do you see in terms of the of of mental health, like what's the status? Are, are we all struggling? Are we all okay? Like, where do we need help right now? I would say I see a lot of people struggling. I mean, just by the very nature of being someone who's a high achiever means you are quite driven, right? And there's, I struggle more with taking my foot off the gas than I do applying the pedal and mm. going harder. Right. And that's a big part of like, say you're going to compare it to like athletes. There's a reason that they have seasons and it's not just like all year round that they're performing at that level. And I think a lot from like a high achiever sense or a high performer sense, we have to kind of think of our careers more in, in terms of seasons. Otherwise, like we keep accumulating this kind of level of pressure where we have a lot of weight on our shoulders that we're afraid to take vacations or time off, or it's like, it's really kind of comes down to that kind of like the idea of like Parkinson's law, where it's if we don't set constraints on our day, then very quickly, our entire days can just be filled with work. And you can knock off your to-do list, hit everything that you want to be able to achieve that day, but really lack, say, like the meaning or fulfillment that you've actually accomplished something. And I think that comes back to that idea of like, Stephen Covey had this great quote that like I always it's it's part of my daily planner that I use each day and it's just that like the key is not to prioritize your schedule but to schedule your priorities. And I think for a lot of high achieving people we tend to prioritize our schedule rather than scheduling our priorities. And that's what leads to a kind of a lot of the mental health type stuff is because we we kind of put those things on the back burner where it's like I don't have time to work out today because I'm recording a podcast with Jeff. And after that, I have to do this and then this and this. And we kind of leave those things to things that we get around to. And one of the things that I've kind of started to share with people is, well, that's kind of like driving a car and being on the empty, kind of like your tank is on empty and pretending like you can just keep driving without having to stop for gas, right? Like we have to be able to get back to this point where it's like, if we want to be able to perform at the level we are, like we have to give time to recharge our battery. Otherwise we're starting our days maybe at 40%, 50%, rather than getting back to that hundred where each and every day we can show up in the capacity that we want because we've prioritized those things like meditation. We've prioritized things like uh, drinking enough water, moving our bodies, things that like I've heard you share on the podcast and through your guests too. Like it, those are things that I find make the biggest impact in our ability to show up in the capacity that we want and really align us with like being the kind of person that we want to become. 
in a way that's sustainable, especially if we have kids. I want to be present for those things. I want to be able to be there for birthdays, there for dinner. And I think that's where a lot of high achievers struggle. Like, I mean, it'd be a great example. Like, what about you? Is that something that you tend to kind of think of? It's like, how do I be sustainable at this level? Well, certainly. I think the one thing I just thought of when you were mentioning this idea of scheduling your priorities is that one thing I mentioned a lot I mean, on this show and also in my, my public speaking engagements is this phrase, if you are too busy to work out, you're too busy. And I, I, <laughs> yeah. I use that not to say that you have to exercise per se, but like if you don't have time for self-care, if you don't have time to rest, that, then something's wrong. Your schedule isn't working. And I feel like that's the message that I have to like remind myself of frequently which is that, yeah, if I like yesterday is a good example of this. Yesterday, I missed a workout that I normally don't miss. And today, I'm mad about that. And I want to be able to ask that question, well, what happened? How do I prevent that? How do I fix my schedule so I can get back on track? Because that, to me, is, is indicative of the, the bigger picture, right? If we don't have time for rest, then what, what are we doing? Because you're right to that point. The workday will just continue and we'll burn ourselves out, which just is a, is a losing battle. Yeah, it, I, I think you bring up a great point, too, is a lot of us that are kind of like the type A or high achiever, or high performing kind of people, we tend to kind of associate a lot of guilt with those things, too, mm. where we're quite hard on ourselves, where like, I'm with you. I have those moments where like, I beat myself up because I missed a workout, or I didn't get through everything that I wanted to accomplish that day. And that comes back to kind of like, sometimes we don't necessarily have the best relationship with ourselves, but we think of if we want to be able to coach ourselves or coach other people, it starts with being able to coach ourselves. And if I'm riding myself and saying, ah, like, you didn't put it in today, like you, you messed up, you didn't do what you set out to do, I'm not going to get the best from myself by coaching myself in that kind of language, right? Like I'm already limiting what I'm capable of that day by kind of like just really being kind of like almost like mean to myself where it's <laughs> I really want to if I want to bring out the best in me I got to realize hey maybe other priorities came up my kid was sick so I had to stay home that day I couldn't get through my to-do list or maybe the car broke down so I couldn't get to my workout those are things where it's like getting back to that being gentle with ourselves really allows us to kind of, again, I think that's the hard part is like that idea of like, we're not saying don't work on those things or like don't hold yourself to a, like a high standard, but being gentle with yourself that sometimes things are outside of our control. And there is a lot of uncertainty with like our day to day, the world, all these things. So the better that we become kind of like comfortable with some of these uncomfortable emotions, the better that we can manage our mental health in a in a more kind of like effective way that allows us to grow and we can use it to our advantage. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel. 
the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, I like the fact that you brought up this idea of being gentle with ourselves in those moments because I think that I kind of view our self-care as like there's two different you know camps here. One would be the things we're trying to do every day, whether it's meditate or go to the gym or get good sleep. But then the other side of that coin is when things don't go well, how do you like react to that? And I think of this through the lens of when I get an email that I'm upset about, like, am I going to angrily respond really fast and hit the keyboard really hard, which is a common thing for me? Or <laughs> yeah. am I going to pause and ask myself, like, how can I like respond to this with a little bit more grace, a little bit more, I don't know, just mental awareness. Like I don't need to be that guy all the time. I think that I kind of bring this intensity to my life that is really effective in certain areas, but then it backfires horribly in others. And I'm always fighting that battle of like, how do I calm down? <laughs> and how do I really, like, you know, take this down a few notches? Because then when that happens, I'm so much more prepared to handle, you know, real life in those scenarios. Yeah, I, not too long ago, I read one of uh, Ryan Holiday's books, uh, Stillness. Mm. And it really gets at the root of that, right? Where like often we tend to react to things. And when we react to things, it takes us out of that kind of like control of things because we're letting our kind of emotions dictate where we're gonna take things. Rather than being kind of like stepping back and being in a more of, more of a responsive decision. Where it's like, ah, okay, why am I getting agitated about this? Like, why did an email literally make me angry right now? Like, is this something that I want to react to? Or is this something that I want to respond to? Maybe I want to get up, take a walk around and realize, ah, like I'm just kind of heated right now. I want to, I want to be able to handle this in a more effective way. So I want to respond. I don't want to react to this. And that's, that's challenging sometimes because we don't always have a clear insight into our emotions. But really those act as kind of like signals, like they're telling us something and the more aware we are to those things, the better we can actually kind of like navigate those things in a way that doesn't necessarily put us in positions where we're like, oh God, I should not have emailed that person back in the moment. <laughs> and now I regret that, right? Like it it really is something that is is challenging because it's it's kind of new to us to be able to talk about our emotions in a way that like takes us out of that kind of just immediate oh man, this is overwhelming. I don't know how to deal with it. And we just kind of plow through it rather than kind of stepping back and taking more of a mindful approach. So in terms of daily habits for mental health, what do you do to focus your day in a way that says like, I'm going to like consistently create a schedule and a lifestyle 
that you know pro- hopefully prevents problems, but then also can solve them more more consistently. Because I feel like you know there are certain habits that may stand out as the better ones to choose. So where do you tend to lean in terms of habits uh, for mental health? I think the biggest kind of uh, realization for myself came from when it comes to daily habits. It actually starts the night before for me. It's the quality of my sleep, right? Like if I don't have a great sleep the night before, the rest of my day follows how that sleep went. And if I didn't get a great sleep, I'm not going to be able to have the energy I am to perform at the level I want to. And this is something that seems to be coming out more and more. Like you hear people like Tim Ferriss talking about Ryan Holiday, like uh, recently, like you had a Greg McCowan on the podcast, like people like that talk about how important sleep is to being able to perform at that level. So for me, it starts the night before and getting a good night's sleep and sticking in some kind of routine that allows me again to ensure that I'm I'm getting that sleep I need, like seven, eight hours. And then when it comes to starting my day, I hit on four areas. And those are like hydrate, elevate, meditate, contemplate. Hydrate for me, if I drink three liters of water a day, my energy levels are drastically different than if I'm just consuming coffee from like the first sip of my day and drinking a bunch of that. And then from Elevate, it's that idea of like just moving your body. And it comes back to that kind of like being gentle with yourself where like if I miss a workout, I had a tendency to kind of beat myself up. Or just like be angry at myself that I missed that. So where now I'm like, you know what? Maybe I don't necessarily need to do a workout today, but I can still take a walk around the block. Something to kind of move my body. And then meditate. That's really one of the first things I do every single day. I get up, I sit kind of in a chair that's just in the living room, and I meditate for 20 minutes. And then I drink a liter of water. And then I start writing for the day. And those kind of like, get me almost like primed for being able to have a more kind of like effective, fulfilling day. Because if I can get to the end of my day and I've even at bare minimum accomplished those kind of four things, my life is drastically different. I'm, I'm more, I have more clarity because my mind isn't so kind of like just filled with ideas bouncing around. I have the ability to kind of like approach challenging situations with like a sense of calm and it's just something that i would say say that like regardless of what you're struggling with those kind of like four areas like hydrating elevating meditating and contemplating like do you kind of just step back from like your device your phone and just maybe consume a couple pages before you go to bed or throughout the day reading to me again is like it's the best bang for your buck that you'll ever get in your life because you're spending something that's maybe 20, 30 bucks that could potentially change your entire life or give you kind of like a lens into like a business decision that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to get through kind of these crazy mentors that like now write these fantastic books like Tribe of Mentors or something like that where you get a lens into those things. So a lot of these habits are built off of things that I've read in those books. It's like the tribe of mentors, for example, like 80, I think it was 80 or 85% of the people that Tim interviewed 
all had one thing in common, and it was some form of daily meditation practice. I'm like, well, if that's working for them, that's got to be something that could benefit me. And it really has. Uh, I've been meditating since like 2016. Some days are better than others. I don't always get around to it, but it's something that I've been fairly consistent with, and it's made a huge change for me. Yeah, and meditation is a topic that I have brought up many times, mostly because I'm not very consistent with that. And I'm curious yeah. for your practice. You mentioned it was 20 minutes. Is that is there a specific program you follow for this, or a certain you know set of guidelines that you use, or or how do you actually meditate every day? So I come back to kind of like the philosophy of like you talked to uh, Greg not that long ago about like essentialism in his book Effortless, and when it comes to habits. I want to make it as effortless as possible. And so I've just been using the app Headspace since day one. And I just like it in the same way that if I go to the gym, I like classes where I don't have to think about it. Somebody's designed it for me. I go in, I do it, and it sets me up. So for meditation, it used to be something that I would bounce around with where it wouldn't necessarily get like a home on my schedule and it would just kind of I'd get around to it if I could, but then often I'd be like, a lot would be on my plate, so I wouldn't get around to it. So what I started to do was like, I'm going to put it as the first thing I do when I get out of bed. That way, I there's nothing to interrupt it. I make sure that it happens each day. And since I've done that kind of like slight change, it's made it effortless for me. Or it's no longer something that I'm putting in my schedule and I have to worry about, oh, will I get around to that? It's like I get out of bed, I sit down, I meditate, and it just ensures that I'm prioritizing again, like what's important to me and I know makes the biggest impact on my mental health and my ability to kind of perform at the level that I, I know I'm capable of and the level that I want to be at. Yeah, what would you say in terms of that and like direct benefits from meditation? Are you do you feel like you have more mental clarity, more of an awareness of yourself? Like what do you what do you think the meditation really does for you specifically in terms of that actual practice? Uh the best analogy that I've heard that really hits home for me is like say you're looking at kind of a washing machine with a glass door. Prior to meditating, it felt like I was in the washing machine, just being tossed around with my thoughts, <laughs> my ideas, everything that was kind of like just chaotic in my life. After I meditate, it's like being able to look through that glass door and see all the thoughts bouncing around, but not feel like I'm part of them, right? Where like it gives me like a bit of a buffer or distance between those things. So it allows me to, from a clarity sense, I can feel more present in the things that I'm doing rather than kind of just be have feel like my mind is being hijacked at times and just taken to places where I'm like, oh, that's I don't need to think about that right now. Like it allows me to kind of like just from even just kind of that blue sky, see it as a cloud that's just passing by rather than be like, oh, I got to focus on that. And that's where I'm going now. So it's, I find I'm less distracted as a result of meditation. And it just kind of it's a great way for me to start my day just with a sense of calm. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not like responding to emails. It's, it's starting my day how I want to start my day rather than kind of just putting out fires just from like the immediate. And that's, that's challenging sometimes because 
then it's kind of like it carries through the rest of your day. And I found I used to get that a lot where I would be stressed by the things that I did first thing in the morning. And now I kind of created that space so I can have some almost just, again, that that clarity of just being like, okay, like I'm going to go through and figure out what are my big three things that I want to do today? And once I'm just able to do that, man, it's it's a big change because it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Yeah, I like that perspective of, you know, the, if you begin your day without putting out fires, I feel like that is such a common thing. I know that for me, the whole concept of the 5 a.m. miracle began you know, about 10 years ago. I realized I was waking up, smacking my alarm clock, and I was stressed out from the second I woke up trying to get ready for work as quickly as possible. And, you know, that shifted a lot for me in terms of taking a more a slower approach to my morning, which I think that in turn hits on exactly what you're talking about here, which is the intentionality and the focusing on the thing that's going to set you up best for the day. I feel like that is a missing piece for a lot of people, especially if your day begins in chaos. It's like, well, how do you not have that, right? What what can you set up to prevent that? And this sounds like you've got a habit here that really, really hits that on, on the head for you. Well, I, I, the reason I talk about the fire too is like, there's a reason why like firefighters spend so much time talking about prevention. Right? Mm. Like they don't want to be in situations where they're putting out fires. If they can just tell people about smoke alarms and like how to kind of prevent those things in the first place from happening. And a lot of these like keystone habits can prevent a lot of this chaos in our life from happening, right? Like it's on the preventative side. Like if we're taking care of these things, we don't necessarily get to a place where we are overwhelmed or burned out or just exhausted because we're we're filling our tank each day like we're being on the preventative side of things and that's a big kind of like perspective shift for a lot of us and in that it's it's not such a grind anymore like i realized like i think it was james clear that talked about like the idea that like it's not about like how successful or unsuccessful you are in the moment it's about the trajectory of your habits and that was a big one for me where it was like, oh, like I'm experiencing a lot of success right now, but I can't continue at this pace. Like eventually I'm just going to fall off. Like, and I didn't want to get to that point. I wanted to create something more sustainable for me, which sounds like that's a similar path that you went on too, where it's like recognizing it's like, I can't keep going at this pace. There's got to be a better way of doing things and it's not working harder. I have to be able to work smarter. I think that quote from James Clear, I literally saw yesterday, the one you just mentioned, which is interesting. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, that that speaks, yeah, directly to, yeah, my episode in the podcast recently, as well as I think what your message here is, is, yeah, the trajectory of our daily habits is the thing. I know for me, when I had kind of my big glorified panic attack four years ago, I was living what you just mentioned, this pace that was aggressive and successful, but not sustainable. And so it was it was I was destined to burn myself out at that pace. And I feel like that's the challenge is figuring out how do you balance the goals that you have with the other side of the coin, which is not killing yourself in the process of achievement. And if we can find that balance, then we can get to that place where we have this sense of calm. And yet success is following us because we're doing the things every day that lead us where we actually want to go. 
uh, which is, I think, difficult because we, you know, if you look at Facebook, Instagram, there are other people, you see a lot of success and people kind of, you know, the jealousy aspect might kick in. Like, well, I'm not doing enough. And I think that is a, a constant pull we have to be able to step back from, which I, I'm glad you mentioned meditation because that, I think, gives us that buffer from a lot of the noise. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it came back to, I I was reading something and the guy talked about, like, if you have more than three priorities, you don't have priorities. Mm. And that really changed when it came to, I had a lot on my plate and a lot of ideas and a lot of projects and people I was working with. And it, it really made me kind of be like, you know what? Like, it's not to say that I can't do all these things, but I can't do all of them at once, right? And it, it, if I can identify what my priorities are right now, like what are my big three? Am I moving those three things up the hill? Then that's what I need to focus on right now. And once I get that one to the top of the hill, I can come back down, grab the next one and move that one up the hill. But to kind of be this idea of like multitasking across like 10 projects or like three or four businesses, it can be very challenging if you're still kind of in the startup stages of any of those, because you you don't necessarily have the clarity about what is the most important work that I need to do that actually moves the needle on this business or my career. So to be able to kind of take more off of your plate means that you kind of have just the important things on your plate in a way that like you can actually make progress on those things. And you can quickly kind of move those things up the hill in a more efficient way, in a way that feels a little bit more effortless because now it's like, ah, like for me, I write a newsletter, a weekly newsletter that I put out. I call it Simplify Sundays. And that was an intentional thing for me because it help, it makes me stay accountable to it. It's not like someday newsletter. It's like, no, it comes out every Sunday. So it's like, that's a priority thing for me. What day am I going to work on it? What day am I going to schedule it? I know when it's going to come out. So it's like it helps me kind of navigate when it comes to the day-to-day, clear through some of that clutter, right? Like it's it comes back to that question of like thinking of your day where it's like if you only had three hours to work today, what would you work on during those hours to be most effective? And it helps us get clarity because it's like, ah, oh, that's a priority. That's not. Right? Like that's not truly necessary for me to work on today. And the more we do it, it's just like getting our reps in. We get stronger. We start to understand it better. And we start to build resilience through that because now we have like a plan how we're actually going to move those things forward. And that's a big part for a lot of us. Like a single decision made in clarity is like the equivalent of like a hundred decisions made in overwhelm because you know exactly what you need to do versus like well, I could do this. That'll take me there. I'm not sure about this. Maybe that's something I'll get around to. That that really makes us kind of like stall and really like spin our tires rather than kind of really be efficient. Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, I love that. I think the the idea of three priorities a day is one that I really stuck to. I think about six months ago, I began a practice of writing down on a little whiteboard I have on my desk, you know, today's top three goals that I'm going to accomplish. And the act of writing those down helps to clarify what I'm doing today. But I think to your point also clarifies what I'm not doing and helps me to filter and to say, if I only have three hours of work today, how am I going to optimize that time? That practice, that simple morning routine habit of saying, here's what today is going to be about, it forces prioritization through that lens, and then you're making better choices every day. I think that that, for me, I know has made a significant difference in reducing overwhelm because then I know it's these are the the things I'm going to do and nothing else until these things are finished. And it makes my day more simple. And I think that that has been, for me, very helpful. I'm glad you said like the not do. Right. Like that's an important part as somebody who is like a high achiever is to recognize like there's also a list of like things not to do. And when it comes to say like having your big three for the day, I treat it that way. Where it's like if I haven't accomplished my big three, then I'm not going to be like scrolling through social media or like just aimlessly kind of doing other tasks that kind of just maybe feel productive in the moment but actually don't really do anything. And that's a big part of it in in that kind of recognizing that like, ah, like if I accomplish those three things, then I'll get around to the kind of like my other to-do list. But if I haven't gotten through those three big things, then you know what? It's not a good use of my time to start going into all those other things because it's just going to stress me out. Yeah, recently I saw there was an update to this like, this tech system that I use. And I was thinking I could spend a lot of time tinkering and updating and optimizing the system I have. And then I caught myself and realized like, that's the old me. Like I used to be the kind of guy that would say yes to those things. And I could spend weeks doing something that at the end of the day probably could have been ignored completely. And so I caught myself at the moment. I said no to it. And I'm thinking back on this a few days later going, man, I'm so glad I turned that down. I'm so glad I walked away because I'm the kind of guy who just gets wrapped up in that minutia. And then because of that, I'll miss the bigger picture. And that's one thing I don't want to do long term. And so I think, yeah, being able to define the focus, it just it clarifies so much. Yeah, I I mean, that's that's such a great point. I think a lot of us get stuck on that, too. Uh, what would you say, like, what has made the biggest impact for you recently when it comes to kind of like having that big three on your list? 
I mean, for me, I think the the thing that I was doing is I caught myself working too many hours and feeling like I was just spinning my wheels. And I wanted a way to say that I could end my day with that sense of accomplishment saying, this is what happened today. And so to write down, like, here are the things I'm going to do. And then when the day is over, I can look back and be like, yes, each of those things is done. And then at the end of the week, I can acknowledge here were the significant things that, that occurred this week. My a sense of accomplishment is there emotionally, but then practically the work that I wanted to get done is actually getting done. And I feel that that is what actually does change my trajectory long-term is knowing that I'm spending each and every day doing more important things. And I, that drives me to want to continue that practice because now I have that momentum and I have that sense of success that's piling up and that snowballs into bigger things. And so that's the way I want to continue that. Yeah, I I think it comes back to that idea of like often a lot of things on our schedule, we put them in 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 more of like a time management sense where like everything is created equal, but from like an energy expenditure, not everything is created equal, right? Like an hour of say responding to emails is going to take a different amount of energy than going to a CrossFit workout for an hour. Or like even me having this conversation with you is a lot different from me just kind of like aimlessly spending some time working on like a project. Like this will have a bigger ended energy expenditure for me. So it's like that idea of like, does the amount of attention you're giving this match its importance? And often when it comes to kind of like, as you said, say working on a project, sometimes we'll obsess over just stupid little things like font size or like <laughs> the, the font that we use or like the background color of that or like, these things that really like get it to 80% and push it out the door, right? Like it's the mm. same idea of like a business plan. Like every business plan works until it meets its first customer. It's like, don't obsess over these things. A lot of it needs to actually like be played with to understand it, to see how it actually like, how does it actually interact with the world that we want it to? And that's, that's something that like, I think is interesting too, is like thinking about that. Cause I think when it comes to kind of like our values too, like, as you said, like having, having an end to my day, like I get the sense that that is important to you because you want to be able to spend time with like your kid and your wife. And I think that comes back to that idea of like that question. It's like, if someone could only see your actions and not hear your words, what would they say are your priorities? That one hurts sometimes because we'll say family is important to us, but we're not there for dinner or like you're not walking your kid to school or like things that you've said are important to you. But if I'm just watching your actions, it doesn't tell me that story. Yeah, there was a book from John Maxwell that I read years ago where he had a similar kind of thought like take on that was asking the question, if I followed you around all day watching you and recording your actions, like what would I think about your life? How would I judge you? And it really struck me in the sense that, you know, if someone followed me around and saw all of my actions, I think they'd be horrified. Like they, they would be <laughs> shocked about what I spend my time on. And that was 10 years ago. And I feel better about that now than then. But that's it's still true, though. Like I'm still making decisions that are probably silly or I'm wasting time when I don't need to or I'm working way too hard when I should be taking a break. Like all these, you know, there's opportunities to improve. And I want to be able to be more aware of my own time to be able to recognize when those things are happening and pivot in the moment 
and then make a better plan for the future. And I feel like that sense of, of awareness and proactivity is one that I'm much more hyper aware of now and want to stick with because it's making me a better person. I am getting a better sense of, of the results that I want. And I feel like that that place is a better place for me to be. And I'm glad that I'm, I'm getting there now. Oh, yeah. It's a much more like wholesome place to be. And it, as you said, to look back a decade ago, I'm, I'm very like I'd be I think a lot of people would be horrified, be like, oh, my God, like what is <laughs> what's going on with this guy? But it, it comes back to that idea where it's like, yeah, but that's growth, right? Like I think any of us, if you are the exact same person you were 10 years ago, that's a problem, right? Like that means you're not challenging your beliefs. You're not challenging your values. You're not identifying what some of those blind spots are that exist in your life. And that's that's something that can be scary because it all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's an accountability piece to that. If I see that blind spot, now I need to do something about it. I can't blame other people. I can't say that like, oh, I never learned that. It it's it's now on you to decide what do you want to do about that blind spot. And for me, it came back to that kind of stuff where it's like, am I prioritizing the things that are important to me? Almost like the idea of like the eulogy values versus resume values, right? Like those two things are two very different things. Like, do I want my resume put on my tombstone or do I want like the eulogy of like, he was a great friend. Like he gave me his presence when he was around me. Like he made changes in his own life that inspired me to make changes. And I think that's a that's something that can feel intimidating, but at the same time, it comes back to that idea that like being human, we're flawed. Like there is no such thing as perfection. Like we're all works in progress. That's something that I you're one of the podcasts that I like listening to for that very reason is that I get insight into say other high achievers where I'm like, Oh, like nobody's totally got it together. (laughs) Everybody's kind of just figuring it out. Some are a little bit further on that path than I am, but recognizing that like they're leaving breadcrumbs for me. And as long as I keep taking those things in, I can continually move towards what I want it to be, but being gentle with myself, like I am where I am. It's like that wherever you go, there you are. Like taking that step back and being gentle with like growth and progress means that you can actually enjoy it. And really like, I think it was like Ralph Waldo Emerson talked about like nothing great is ever achieved without enthusiasm. And for me to continue to be enthusiastic about the changes I want to make in my life mean that it's, I got to have fun too. It can't just all about turning out widgets and being productive and being efficient. I got to have a balance of those things. And I mean, the irony is, is I end up being more productive and efficient because it's something I enjoy. Yeah, I love that. You mentioned a a lot of interesting things just now. And one of them that struck out to me or stuck out to me here was this idea of blind spots, because that has been an area that I've been focusing on personally recently is looking at things that either Let's try and find blind spots in my life that I can, you know, be aware of. And then the other side of that coin for me has been the things that I know of that I'm intentionally avoiding, like whether it's a fear or whether it's a, you know, this nagging problem that I just haven't taken the time to address. 
And I've been much more intentionally saying, no, let's go dig that thing out, address it head on and take care of it. And it's it's really it could take some courage to do that. Sometimes you have an area of your life you've been ignoring, you know, your health, your money, your relationships, whatever the thing is. And you bring that to the forefront and then you address it head on. That's for me. But a lot of success comes from is that willingness to acknowledge those things directly. And I feel like that for me has been super valuable in terms of acknowledging priorities and facing the things that need to be faced. And that's that's really changed my life in a lot of ways. Well, I, I think a lot of it from my own experience comes back to like the moment that you have awareness about those blind, blind spots in a way that you've identified something that you want to make a change on, they lose their power. Mm. Like it no longer becomes this kind of like monster that's hiding under your bed where you're like, oh God, like I don't want to deal with that today. It's like, well, no, like I'm going to turn the light on, take a look under it. Oh, like that's not a monster, right? Like, once we kind of have the awareness of it, then we can get coaching on it. We can get therapy. We can have like people in our lives that again, help us unpack some of these things in a way that takes the power of them away. There's this great kind of idea from, uh, it was like a, a Buddhist uh, Pima Kodron. I might be butchering her name, but she talked about like the idea that like only to the, the degree that we expose ourselves to annihilation, can the invincible be found in us? And that's one that like really hits home for me where it's like, I have to be able to expose myself to the idea that like, what is just ego? Like what is really just going on in my life that like is just an ego of like, I don't wanna go down that because then that's challenging my identity. But then once I do challenge those things, like now it's no longer something that I'm worried about people finding out about or that like, like, I'm having my first kid at the end of November. And I'll be honest, that really <laughs> scares me to a degree. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm extremely excited about that. But it's also like, oh, she's going to be like a little mirror to a lot of like my imperfections or like some of my ego stuff or like being like, dad, why do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, okay, that's maybe I got to ask some questions about that. Why do I do that? And as you said, like, there's a lot of power that comes from like identifying our blind spots in a way that can really be, again, we can make it fun. It doesn't have to be kind of this like scary, overwhelming thing that we just don't want to face. It's like being in your garage and seeing kind of like it's dark and you're not really sure what's in the corner over there. You're like, oh my God, that's a snake. You turn the light on and it's just a hose, right? Now that you have the awareness of what that is in the corner, doesn't matter. You can turn the lights back out. You know it's a hose, but you have the awareness about it. So now you can do something about it. And I think that's a big part of blind spots. It gives us awareness, and then now we can do something about it. Well, congratulations on your baby coming up. I'm excited for that for you. <laughs> Thank um, you. I have my second child due about two weeks later, so we'll both be in the same boat with new new babies in the house. Um, and yes, to the degree that, um, you know, being a new dad, that, you know, your kids do ask you questions. And I think that one thing I have discovered in my first, you know, three and a half years of being a father is that it is interesting to have someone who is paying attention so closely to my life. It's, it goes back to the idea of, you know, if John Maxwell followed me around my life for 24 hours, well, I have that in the version of a three-year-old girl who follows me around every day and asks questions. <laughs> yeah. And so that sense of, you know, having that other perspective is a healthy one. And I think that there is so much to be said about 
having that feedback and then also being able to upgrade your own life in response to it and being you know available and willing to make those shifts. And I, I'm glad to have those opportunities to to grow and improve because that's what I know will make me a better person in, in 10 years from now and, and beyond. And so I, I welcome those kinds of, of feedback opportunities because I know that that's what I need. Yeah. Here's one for you. What parenting advice would you give a first-time parent who, again, is kind of like a high achiever? Like where where do you kind of see that initial struggle as as a kid enters your life boundaries are everything and this is the thing i noticed immediately uh boundaries from you know when the the child is sleeping when they're awake if they're at daycare when they come back uh my entire work life had to shift around her schedule and so it went from a life where i really could have worked 24 hours a day every single day endlessly and I did, honestly, for a long time, which is hence those panic attacks from years ago. <laughs> yeah. And so having a, a child forced me into a box that has been very beneficial in a lot of ways because now my life has to be prioritized around different you know, avenues, different places to go and, and reasons to be there. So I have found that that reshifted kind of what my day looks like every single day. And even to the sense of my daily schedule now is, my day has to end at 3.30 p.m. so I can go pick her up from daycare and then we go to the gym together and then I have an eating routine with my family and that didn't exist before. And that was not part of my life in that very rhythmic way and having a rhythm is more predictable. You can pattern out your life in a, a, a way that you can almost like predict exactly what's going to happen, which is a, a really helpful, productive way of living and one that I think that leveraging that when you can, acknowledging that for me has been very, very helpful. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too, because a big part of mental health comes down to routine and structure, right? Like a chaotic mind comes from not really having a routine or a structure in place because it, it just has almost like complete freedom. And that isn't necessarily a great thing for a mind. Like a mind likes having focus a mind likes having like an understanding of like ah like this is this is a cutoff time for me 3:30 if i'm done at 3:30 what does that mean that i can accomplish today versus like when you don't have a kid it just it'll expand as you said to when you can work 24 hours a day but you're not necessarily being any more productive you're just kind of like filling time so i mean i i like that idea of again a big thing for me was the idea of like, I wanted to design a life I didn't need to escape from. Mm. Like if I got to have a life that like, I'm looking forward to a vacation every three months because I'm just like at teetering into burnout, then I, I don't think I've created the kind of life I want. Like I want to be able to design a life that I don't need to escape from. Or like I'm walking my kid to, to school in the morning. I'm there to pick her up at the end of the day. And I have like freedom within my schedule to really be able to say yes to things that I want to do. Like it, it comes from that Derek Sivers uh, is a great kind of like uh, entrepreneur that I follow. And he, he wrote this book called like Hell Yeah or No. And that came back to a lot of things in my life where like I had a lot of things on my life that I was just like, eh, yeah, like I got time in my schedule, so I'll put it in there. But it meant down the line, I had to say no to some things that I really wanted to do. 
And that hurt because it was like things that really aligned with my values, with like what I feel is kind of like my purpose when it comes to kind of like talking about mental health and entrepreneurship. So like having that kind of just like white space in my schedule, to me, that's freedom. Like that's success to me. It's not necessarily how many dollars are in my bank account. It's like, do I have freedom over my time? Like that to me is just like, that's priceless, right? Because that's something that like, regardless of who you are, whether it's Elon Musk, Bill Gates, me, you, none of us can buy more time. Like that's something that's, that's, that's it. So it's like to be able to have freedom over that, to me, that's, that's, that's invaluable. Like you can't put a price tag on that. I totally agree. That's, that's a, a big focus for me as well. I love, love that perspective. Uh, Chris, this has been amazing. There is so much value here from this conversation. I'm so glad I had the chance to talk to you today. And I want our listeners to learn more from you and to dig into your work. So where can they go to learn more from you? Again, I do want to say that like this was an absolute blast for me as well. I, I love being able to just have these conversations and I think like challenge some of these perspectives for a lot of us that, again, are, are high achievers and we want to be able to do these things. So if any of this did resonate with you, this is something that I write about on a weekly basis. And you can just go to like freecourse.simplifyyourwhy.com. And I send out a weekly newsletter. It's kind of just like simple and succinct, but allows us to kind of like live a happier, more productive life of simplicity in a way that, again, feels feels wholesome and and I think could help a lot of people. So again, thank you for having me on and I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This has been great. I'll be sure to have that link in the show notes page this week for our listeners. And uh, yeah, Chris, this is awesome. I'm hope I hope there are high achievers this week hear the message that slowing down and simplifying is a healthy one to you know, a choice to make. And I'm glad that uh, yeah we had a chance to talk about this today. Hey, thank you. Have a great day, Jeff. And for that action step this week. Make time for what matters. It's so easy to get used to our own lives, even when they aren't working. So pause long enough to realize what's going on and then carve out time to take care of yourself. If you're like me, this is tough, but incredibly valuable and rewarding. JeffSanders.com slash 414 is the place to go to get the episode notes. Also go to 5AMMiracle.com to join the 5AM club and get free email updates about the show. That's all I've got for you here on the 5AM Miracle Podcast this week. Until next time, you have the power to change your life, and the fun begins bright and early. Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. 
Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.